53. Um, let me see where I'm gonna stop. I think we'll give you a lot today. So arrived at this point, we squarely confronted the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we'd been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, not, had we not brought, been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. We found too that we had been worshipers. What a mental, what a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshiped people, sentimental things, money and ourselves, and then with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea or a flower? Who of us had not been loved, not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. We were not these things, the tissue out of which our lives were constructed. Did not these feelings after all determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. And yeah, I think that that'll do it. Suzanne. No, we're not hearing you, Paul. You made it, Paul. I could, I could try to do bad lip reading, Paul, but I don't know what you're saying, Holmes. Hey, Paul, try it again, man. We can't hear you. I've done my part. Hey, Paul, try to unmute your phone on your phone. Um, you're unmuted on Zoom, but you're... He's, uh, he, he's aware. He's trying to do something. Okay, thanks. Yep. yep. We can stand by with confidence in Paul's ability. So if you haven't yet visited zenbitchslap.com, Please do. You can learn more about Paul. You can access his book. What's that? Uh, he's got t-shirts. And there's information on his non-duality meetings, which he holds two a week now on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And soon there'll be a non-duality meeting before this one on Tuesdays. 
all that information is there. Paul is also having a virtual uh, retreat uh, in 31 days, February 20th and 21st. Uh, you, can, you can find that information on his website or at nothing.fm. I think um, we, we've done this before, Paul, and we've had an issue. I'll, I'll hold my phone up to the screen if you want. We'll do a WhatsApp video thing like we did that time and that Frank Zen thing is, if you want. He thinks his iPhone is muted. Uh, do you know what it's called on the participants list? Yes, it's called iPhone. Hold on. Okay. Is, it, is it unmuted? I saw it. I see iPaul. <laughs> yeah, iPaul. That's what it was. It, it, uh, okay. He can't unmute. He needs to take away the... I think I saw it flash off. Can you hear me? Uh, now, no, barely. Barely? We can barely hear you. That might have been too much. <laughs> no, it's not working. Paul, no. let's do that. I wonder if you left the room and signed back in, if that would do any good. I think that's a good idea. No. Mm -mm. Okay, he is going to leave now. Come back. Good. Okay. Yeah. Hang up, all right. Oh, yeah. wait, we got, you. we got you. We got you. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. woohoo! Slow though, eh? Oh, yeah, okay. I can't hear I you much. Just speak. Hold on, I'm gonna get off the whole the uh iPad, start over again. Okay, great. Okay. Because it's very low, the, the volume. Okay. All right, hold on. You know, the volume buttons on the, on the left-hand side of your iPad may help. Oop, sorry, I muted you then, man. Yeah, it's all right. Can you hear me now? We can hear very you. Very well. All right, good. So uh, we're going to do it. Let me go back. <laughs> see, see, I have faith this it was going to work. Yep. You see. Good. Yeah. Isn't that nice? So I'm gonna try to go back on the video on the on the uh the computer. All right. No, I better not. It doesn't work. All right. All right. All right, you've muted yourself again, and we'll wait while you find a place to rest your phone, Paul. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, everything good? Perfecto. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Sorry for the uh, the the delay. Paul, alcoholic. This is not a regular AA meeting. Uh, Everything we speak about is framed basically from uh, a recognition of alcoholism as a foreign pathogen or a uh, 
parasitical movement, something like that, because until I could see it as something other than me, I couldn't be free from it, literally. All right, so we're at We Agnostics. This is an important, one of my favorite parts because it talks about faith. And I don't see faith as a faith, like Christianity or whatever. I feel it as, an, as a force of mind that we all are really. And that what we appear to be is based on it. And what things appear to us to be are based on it. So, and this is why I feel the importance of, uh, perhaps there's a better way, trusting something infinite, or you could say having faith in something infinite instead of having faith in self, finite self, is the whole key. That's, that's the foundation of the whole uh, perhaps there's a better way. And faith is involved in both aspects of it. Now, the tricky thing is because we're identified as the problem. When we're having faith in something else, we're having faith in being the one who's having faith in something else. Yeah. So it's a tricky little maneuver. So when I want to have faith in God, there's a faith in me first, the me that I'm not. Yeah. And a lot of people don't see that. And then they're confused by the effects and what happens because nothing seems to be working because the plain God is still dominating uh, the situation, even when it's concerning the topic of God. Yeah. So this plain God of, or the act of being identified as the parasite or as, as the foreign pathogen there's, there's that inherent, there's that faith that's placed in that while we think we're dishing faith out to other topics. Yeah, this is the dilemma where people can't see self, can't get out of self. So self trying to have faith in God is faith in self quite a lot. Yeah, so this is, he talks about it very clearly that without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith, we could use that for right now. Yeah. A certain kind of faith has brought us to this zoom. Yeah. For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Now this is tricky because I think it's difficult to discern what's our own reasoning and what's the reasoning of the parasite. I don't see, uh, I think there's two different camps that are uh, presenting themselves to be the reasoning. <laughs> yeah so i don't know what to say about that you just have to get a sense of it or not you know but yeah so i don't believe it's our own reasoning i think we we're being reasoned by something else yeah this is the dilemma because that would be a gargantuan uh future work is to try to change uh the reasoning, <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be, I think it'd be chasing fool's gold. Yeah. But if you see that the reasoning that's leading you to that first drink and to the fuck it and all like that, isn't your reasoning. Maybe you won't listen to it. Maybe if you can see it as Stanley's reasoning and you're not, and you're very clear, you're not Stanley, you may have sort of an immunity to taking Stanley's reasoning seriously, yeah? Which means not acting out on it or acting out on it would be taking it seriously. 
Now you're in the state of not acting out on it. Yeah. And, you know, the shit in the head may drive you crazy, but man, court, court dates ad nauseum go fucking. Yeah. Taking a bus to get go on a urine thing with a lot of other convictees sort of sucks also. So I'd rather just deal with the problem at its irritating source than at in the consequential level. I would. Yeah. I can distract it here. <laughs> it's hard to distract oneself when you're in prison, I swear. You know, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not a believer that it's our own reasoning that's leading us to our our demise i don't yeah i actually truly believe there's a lot of what they say in a very fanciful way but that the higher power it's it's idea for us is to be happy joyous and free i think we're really more aligned in that camp than uh being right and alone tell you the truth so uh but did we not have confidence in our ability to think these are the questions to ask oneself Am I listening to the thought? Am I hearing the thought system or am I devotedly listening to the thought system? They're quite different conditions. If you're listening to the thought system, uh, you're going to be confronting a lot of anxiety with no real uh, cause. Yeah, it'll be made up in the head. False evidence will be running rampant, appearing real to us all day and will be... Uh, striking out in situations when when there was no threat you know or we'll have the blame of our mother put on out your uh, partner right now you know it's all this and we wonder it feels like we're so displaced that the obviousness of being being in the moment escapes us to the point we we join groups to try to get into the moment yeah it's insane so yeah, it goes on and on with this faith idea, which I think is really cool. And then uh, this worshiping and stuff. And then the real feelings when you feel love or you feel like a sense of belonging at a meeting or you feel like available when you're being of service and then you sense a presence. That doesn't need any thought to to reinforce it it's just so that's perhaps the better way being directed and led by something that's prior to thought yeah so that we can travel lighter through thought yeah because we're not going to get traveling lighter through the auspices of thinking no fucking way the thinking itself is the is the storm we want to get fucking refuge from it's not just certain thoughts so the idea that uh, the spirit is is a realm that's before thought, obviously, and just like anything else, being before thought, it can it can influence what comes after it. Yeah, so the spirits can bring a sense of lightness uh, through those storms of thoughts because you won't take them so seriously, and you won't act out. Yeah, I don't give a shit if I want to drink every day as long as I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have that drive anymore. I, that's been relieved. So, uh, yeah. So the idea of faith, 
know, we're in it right now. And a lot of us, there's maybe there's an undue amount of faith that's been put in self, the finite self. And how's that demonstrated? Because you can't just hear, you can't have a word. You have to see it, the action. So faith in self is incredible reliance on thought. That's what it is. Yeah. And what is the thought that I'm Paul? And that's, that's the basis of what's causing the anxiety that we call fear. Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? That's why we're in the condition we're in right now. I mean, that's the diagnosis of AA. You may agree or not, but that's what they're offering. So what the hell, what level of self-reliance, uh, how, how far could self-reliance go? Well, being in the act of being identified as that which you're relying on is pretty fucking far. And so you can see our conditions based on that x-ray and realize why we're fucked because this, the basis of our life has been an extreme reliance on self. Yeah. So then if you get clear about that, perhaps there's a better way. And the better way is the recovery life, the design for living the way of life. And what that life does is it transfers the faith in finite self to the faith in the infinite. That's all. So now you start your day, not by thought, but before thought. Yeah. And you live your day before thought. And, um, you know, your basis, it gets to the point that your attitude and outlook changes. You're not going to do that in a weekend retreat. Yeah. Hello, you there? Yep, we're here. Yeah, you're not going to do that in a weekend retreat. That's a, that's a, an incredible uh, change. And having a new attitude and outlook and a new freedom and a new happiness, basically, because you can capture that with, all right, the old employer. So when they says you have a new employer, it implies that there was an old employer. So now you have a new free, your new attitude and outlook, which implies you had an old attitude and outlook. And you have a new freedom and happiness because you had an old idea of what freedom and happiness was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they're always up. They're always like two wings of the butterfly. When you hear one thing, it's implying the other. Yeah. So the new freedom and the new happiness is not through the thought system. It's from the thought system. Yeah, it's not, we're not going to use the problem to, uh, to land in the solution. That's a problem. And so the tricky thing really in recovery is self can't get out of self. It's difficult to recognize that what is critiquing the objective idea of Paul is a subjective expression of the foreign pathogen itself. Yeah, it's hard to see that, but when you do see it, it's not hard at all. Once you get, once you get, you know, open yourself up a little with an understanding, see what gets revealed through that understanding. Just like when you have a problem, like I was just dealing with a friend of mine, he's coming back into the program. He has a lot of problems seemingly, but all he's been doing is, is sifting those problems through the problem. So, all right, let's do inventory. Yeah, just write down your fears and resentments concerning your business and shit like that. 
And th that process is going to produce a different answer than you're producing. Yeah, that's what you want. So you can, instead of like having the problem tell you how, it, how it's going to lead you to the solution, we bypass that. We do the program, do an inventory. You'll see the role of what you're not in it. And maybe you'll just, uh, all right, I'm going to go on a Zoom and go to a meeting, even though that makes no sense to me, but I'm going to do it. And then what happens is you feel better. Yeah. Now you've got some enthusiasm again. You do go to work and now you're actually furthering and promoting your business instead of destroying it. Yeah. So all this has to do with faith in a lot of ways. And, you know, I've never, maybe when I was a kid, I lived in that childlike faith, but something took me over. And then most of the faith in my life has been on that, in that, the idea of being self. And it was a fucking jealous fucking God. It doesn't like to have any other God before it. And it has an incredible strategy because it keeps talking to me as me. So I can never even get to the point even though it drives me to fucking incomprehensible, pitiful demoralization, I can't seem to entertain being free from it because I'm in the act of being identified as it. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. But once you see it from outside the system, it's clear as day you're not that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell I am and I don't even care. But I do, I do know what I'm not. And I'm not this image that's held in the mental state and being constantly obsessed over and pictured as a body called Paul and a future body called Paul. Yeah, I'm not that. Yeah. You're not going to tell me I was a doer of the behavior I used to do when I was out there. I, you're not never. I'm never going to believe that. Because I don't see any book as a fundamental book. You know, the people that shared the big book for us had four years of sobriety at most. They realized they were fucked, but they didn't have the, I don't think they'd gotten to the point of really what was going on. They knew they were sick and tired and they realized what worked, which was surrender and reliance on something greater themselves than themselves. And that was sufficient to promote this whole giant fucking momentum of recovery. Hallelujah. Yeah. But I feel like we've been under it. And, and actually the parasite has been investigated to a point where we can see it as something foreign to us. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's worked with me. I don't know. Uh, I basically live as the problem doesn't exist for me today. Fucking far out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the solution has told me why the solution didn't seem to be available. That's what it told me. Yeah. It doesn't have to tell me anything about the solution. I'll find that out. Yeah. It'll tell me about the problem. That's what the solution does. <laughs> it tells me about the problem. You know, first it told me ways to deal with the problem, but now it's led me to realize what the problem is and what it ain't. And it ain't me. Yeah. And that weakens it sufficiently because I realize the way we're built, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to anything that is related to me because we're in a self-centered program. So 
how am I going to weaken that without strengthening it at the same time? I have to see this as something foreign to me. Yeah. And then I lose interest in it. And of course, that interest, instead of reinforcing and promoting this idea of Paul all day, now, you know, uh, brings me a livingness, you know, where I don't have to travel around the world. I can just walk out my backyard. It's quite unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry for the uh, technical problem. And Yeah. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome, honey. Thank you for the question, or I mean the reading. You're welcome. It was perfect today, wasn't it? To have that preceding the, the technological breakdowns, right? We have a question. Um, I'm thinking from, from Jack. I'm going to ask you to unmute. Do you have a question, Jack? You've muted yourself again. Yes, I do have a question. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Good, mo good morning, Paul. How are you? Good. Good. Every time I think I don't have another question, I, I seem to uh, find one. They're not yours anyway. Your right. assignment is to ask questions. <laughs> so actually, it's really not a question. It's more of a couple statements. So so uh, I, was, I was talking to another alcoholic the other day that's a, uh, a lawyer. And we were talking about, uh, we agnostics. And uh, I said to him that uh, we agnostics is uh, the perfect example of the spiritual subpoena. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, also for shits and giggles, I opened the big book a few days ago and I wanted to see how many times self was in how it works. So I started to underline self and variations of it, self-centeredness, self-seeking. And in uh, the 14 pages of how it works, self is uh, in there 43 times. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to me as a striking amount for 14 pages. So I guess my question is, is if you could speak on the spiritual subpoena and uh, self or selfing. Yeah, well, in recovery, they frame it as self, but I don't believe there is one. So I think it's more of an activity. I don't think it's ever become anything. It's just selfing. So that's one. And this is, you know, the self-seeking, the self-centeredness is the root of the problem. I, know, I don't know how more they have to say it. I think 60, page 64 is super clear that it's not us by using the term self and us, meaning two different, two different uh, things. So I don't know, maybe something's wrong with my hearing, but it's, it seems pretty clear to me that being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So that, so self's manifestations has already been stated the manifestations are of self. Yeah. All right. Being convinced of that is what has defeated us. So 
we are now going to look at its manifestations. So how can you say you're doing an inventory on your resentments? So what would what what would allow that translation after you just read that statement of the inventory process? What would allow that to make sense, which would be the act of being identified as self? So we're calling self's manifestations ours. Don't you think that's an important point to look into? Yeah. I mean, it's so basic that he's, he's implying that the root of the problem is self has defeated us, manifesting in various ways. We're going to look at some of its common manifestations. Why? Yeah, because this is a basic inventory. This is like an introductory inventory, and more will be revealed. And that what gets revealed is stuff you can bring to step six and seven and have this power you've been introduced to reconfigure the life that has been knotted up and made to look the way it does by self. Yeah, that's the, to me, that's the renovation. That's the recovery. That's the rehabilitation. Yeah, it's not, re it's not rehabilitating the old. It's producing a new, yeah. It doesn't say, oh, we've convinced the old attitude and outlook to adopt a new attitude and outlook. No, it says you'll have a new attitude and outlook. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want a rehabbed old attitude and outlook <laughs> because it has the same problems as the unrehabbed attitude or outlook. It's extremely self-centered, sees everything as how it pertains to it. And it's probably, if not looked through, it's going to lead us to a drink yeah, or a drug, which would be the worst fucking possible thing to happen for some of us. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I rest my case with that. Why? Because I, when I was coming to AA, I was led to believe I was taking... Uh, inventory of my resentments and my fear and my uh, harms done to others. Yeah. It would have been nice, even though I would have felt like that anyway, it would have been nice if I, it was framed with an understanding. Well, this, uh, this way from big book page 64 is implying that what you vehemently believe are yours aren't yours. They're manifestations of self. So hopefully giving us an understanding that we're intoxicated with something. Something has infected us, yes? And that we may not know it, and we're going to live with that infection trying to get uninfected, which is just promotes the underlying infection. I mean, I don't see how... how I don't see how we can't see the importance or the pivot of calling self's manifestations ours and then learning not to anymore it's it's an incredible turning point i feel yeah so i think what the, what was that selfing and then uh the spiritual subpoena the spiritual subpoena uh is basically it's almost it's a joke in a way but it's sort of like you've been served the spiritual subpoena 
you're not going it's not going to lead you to the mental court you're going to be brought to another court a court of light and in that court of light your transgressions and other things like that are seen in a different light than in the mental courts yeah so you're going to be actually it's probably the best day of your life when you go when you're when you're dragged to the spiritual court because it's going to relieve you of the burden of a lot of the behaviors you've been convinced of by self that were yours, yeah, that they were yours, that you did all this shit, you, 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 you. And after you've made all your amends and shit, you're still stuck with the biggest booby prize, the responsibility of self's behavior as your behavior. I'm not talking about accountability. That's your path. You've arrived there. I'm talking about freedom from the responsibility of shit that I had nothing to do with. Yeah. That's a huge, huge shift in condition. Yeah. And it all goes back to a, a recognition of the root of the problem. That's, I see it. I don't see it as, oh, how did this come about? I know how it came about because I saw it. Yeah. I saw how it came about. I saw the day it was clear reading that page 64, that self was something other than me, immediately the next possibility, as soon as I saw it as other than me, the next possibility hit me in a second, I can be free from it. And then the next second, it told me in great detail in like a nanosecond that I had been trying to be free as self since I've been about six years old. So I had a huge... I had like a 20 years uh, scholastic education in about a minute and a half. And I haven't forgotten the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. All right. Thanks, Paul. Um, Raph's coming in with a question today. Come on, Raph. Uh, yes, Paul, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here today and making the extra effort to connect. Uh, the question that I have is that uh, in relationship to, uh, in the big book, they talk about two things that we need to watch. Uh, number one is uh, fear. There are many things, but these are the two that come to mind right now. And the other one is resentment. Uh, these are the two things that can put us back or off the road uh, again. What I like to see you, you know, to understand from you is that, or give an angle or whatever, an understanding is that uh, on uh, anger. Anger is that. Uh, if anything is closer to addiction, to me it's anger because it's total loss of control. If I'm possessed by anger, I'm possessed. I, I don't even know, it's a blackout. Like when I wake up from anger, I already spoke a bad words. I already, that's the best scenario if I didn't uh, get uh, violent, you know. So, and I, and I understand if I work on resentments, if I do my, my step 10 digitally and I make amends and I see them, you know, I clean the house as I see the, 
getting dirty, I know that I won't get into that uh, anger. But if I get into anger, uh, it's kind of too late. You know, I'm already possessed. The, the, the gene is out of the box and, you know, out of the bottle. And uh, so can you please help me understand anger and how to work or use it, understand it, or whatever, you know, have to, it would be nice to say to higher power, get rid of it, but at, uh, maybe it's a slow process, I don't know, it just that, uh, keeps on popping up from time to time, thank God it's not that often as it used to be, but it's still, yeah. I mean, I see it pop up from time to time, and it's at, uh, faster than I am. Yes, yes. But let's first take a second and be, and be grateful that it's not popping up as much and it doesn't last as long. That's, a, that's an incredible uh, report of a condition changing. So let's just honor that for a second. Yeah. A lot of people believe anger is a masking of another, an underlying concern or like a primal fear. Uh, but anger is energy, like everything else. And when I do six and seven, I see everything as energy. So I'm asking the higher power to reconfigure the energy of anger and put it to use, yeah, the way it will. Because it's an incredible power, really. If And it's usually misdirected because self claims it and directs it into violence or saying shit you don't really mean that are going to affect a long lasting relationship and could end it and shit and you up in jail. So you have to realize the anger surrendered to the higher power, its effects and its use are going to be completely different than anger that's been claimed by the self. Yeah. So let's just be clear about that. Yeah. And sometimes these things go quickly and sometimes slowly. But I had a, I had a, a big thing with anger or an, a reaction of a deep suspicion with anger. And uh, it seemed like it would keep coming up. And I had limited my affairs quite a lot. And I had actually pretty much... Um, and it only would come up in a significant relationship. I would fear like somebody, the other person was setting me up to be fucked, so to speak. And, uh, and a lot of times would come up on holiday areas. And uh, yeah, I had lived with it in the past, blaming it on my drug use and my alcoholism my alcoholic use, but when I got sober, it kept coming up. So I was wrong about that diagnosis. <laughs> it had a life of its own rooted in self and something, uh, which I feel is what we get to when we stop drinking and using, we get to the underlying conditions, which have nothing to do with drinking and using. So, uh, if I was someone now, that had anger issues in early sobriety, I would learn certain means, skillful means to deal with it. 
try to limit my affairs where I, it gets triggered and maybe join a group or whatever that's, that's specifically about anger. So be more like, yeah, this is a fire that keeps erupting. So I better know where a lot of pails of water are. But if you stay with this program, hopefully you'll outgrow it. Uh, because again, it's rooted in a deep reliance on self and having that proven to be unreliable in your life. And you're super pissed off about it. There's a anger around it. That's been my recognition. So yeah, uh, when it arises, I would bring it if you have a chance or if, if you know, if it gets out and does some havoc, if when you get bracketed, back to uh, emotional sobriety, bring it back to six and seven and, uh, and have the, you know, be willing to have that transfer from the finite self to the infinite. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that helped. And... Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Um, Skylar is going to come in next. Come on, Skylar. Hi, Paul. Oh, Skyla. Right. Um, so I don't really like authority that much. And so I've been having trouble keeping a sponsor or wanting one. So I like said bye to both of them. And like, I feel as if I'm more free, even if it's the self feeling free still um, half of the time and then half of the time feeling woke. Um, I think I'm better off without one. If I am working the steps and joining your meetings, because I find that if they aren't kind of saying what you're saying, then like, I don't like their guidance. And so it's just like, extra work and confusing and it's like I'm just pleasing their needs and wants and like it's not really I don't think it's beneficial um it may be beneficial just doing something I don't want to do but like I don't really want to have time for that anymore because like yes I was fine writing them a gratitude list but like I'd rather be writing lyrics and like not feeling well, you can do both. You can do both. I know you're right. I think it's, I think it's important. Uh, to follow the suggestions of recovery. Okay. I do. And, okay. uh, and there are people that are, and you'll be surprised of how much value there is in in the uh, in another person being able to call them or whatever and and to see that maybe you know it's not all about Skylar that uh, it's good mm -hmm. for them to have a sponsor sponsee yeah I and felt like that, that was the case yeah hmm? I felt like that was the case so that was selfish and there's nothing wrong with that because this whole program isn't really about us it's about being a maximum use to ourselves and others. And yeah, uh, yeah so I'm, I'm a, you know, I don't, I have, I have sponsoring. Some of my sponsors are older than me in AA. So we sponsor us each other. Yeah. 
when things come up. And uh, yeah, I just love the, the traditions of AA as a way of life. So, uh, but whatever you do is going to be, if it works or doesn't work, it's going to prove valuable. So if you see that, hey, I don't want to have a sponsor now, well, see what happens and there'll be a learning of it, you know, from it, I feel. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, um, well, in one program with the food, I have like a co-sponsor and it's like an accountability buddy. Like it's equal. Like she's not, well, she's like, yeah. you know, and that's working. So maybe I could, well, she is in Yeah, do that. It's the thing is, honey, it's all equal anyway, because yeah. really it's the verb of sponsoring that's going on. It's not the sponsor having 30 sponsees, it's the sponsoring. And yeah. so that's not, uh, from both views, the water is running down to the sponsee, the water is running down to the sponsor because both are getting uh, value out of, out of an event that looks like one is giving something to another. Yeah, it's yeah. because this is a very symbiotic thing recovery there's uh because there is a need to hear the message and someone needs to carry the message and then it switches and you need to carry the message and someone needs to hear the message it just goes like this it's beautiful so there's no point where uh that dynamic gets frozen in place yeah. and there becomes seat assignments like like uh you know, thrones. No, yeah. it's a moving thing. Yeah. 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 That's what my fear was, is like, if I kept her around that we'd be frozen in those seats and that I would have to meld to like her perspective or her world, but it was circular. Like what I said affected her the next day, I could see a change or it was like bouncing off of each other. So I think I just got fearful that like, I would somehow like, gravitate towards more of like a neutrality which is probably good for me um yeah dude yeah go with that man because uh they're not people they may share their perspectives but what they're sharing are suggestions from the way of life of recovery yeah mm -hmm. their perspective mm -hmm. on it like mine i work with people that have no they don't care about the idea of the root of the problem itself yeah so that we don't go there but okay <laughs> the suggestions i'm giving them are not from the idea of there is no self is from the program of recovery you know okay. so I'm, I'm giving them suggestions like hey <laughs> you know so uh pick your battle yeah. <laughs> kind yeah so uh and if someone's interested in stuff i will share it but i have a job to do like like if I, some of my friends, I'm their sponsor. So they want to come and bitch and they need to have someone hear something. I play that role and then it switches. Okay, but now I'm going to speak to you as a sponsor and say, listen, what is this? What does all this point to? A lack of uh, a reliance on self, you know? So wh where do you go with that? Go to the third step. Remember mm -hmm. that you have a new employer. It seems like you're forgetting it. So, yeah. So you have 
they're not against each other, the two roles. Yeah, but they're, they don't share everything the same. Yeah, when a role as uh, in AA, I take it very seriously. Yeah, I try to do the best I can. I take it so seriously that a lot of people I meet will be when we didn't before the, the Zoom world, you know, I will say, listen, I'm not going to be able to, I don't fit you because you need like a drill sergeant and I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not, I don't want to call it someone up or have them call me up every day. You know, yeah. just don't. So, yeah. you know, I know when I can be abused mm-hmm. and when I won't be abused. So, yeah. But yeah, honey, don't, uh, it's, the head has a very interesting way when it finds something really good, it feels like it negates everything else. That's, that's, yeah. that's selfing very yeah. clearly because this is one of the reasons why we share because I saw a lot of people, they would find something outside of AA and, and not entertain the idea, hey, it can be brought back into AA. They would leave AA. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. a believer in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't fully, I don't, I think you can meet almost any fucking incredible idea out there and still have it fit quite well in the recovery life. I do. I love that. Yeah. It's like the cog in my wheel right now is like all or nothing and I need to find neutrality. So it wasn't like fire her. It was like, keep her in and set boundaries. Like I don't want to do a gratitude every single day. I'll send you a journal entry once a week, a beautiful one of the weeks. Like, you know what I mean? Just, well, I don't know how that will go, but go ahead for it, honey. (laughs) But yes, remember that that selfing is always, uh, it it produces tension out of extremes, see? Mm -hmm. So it leads you to an idea of sacrifice when there's no sacrifice. You can Mm -hmm. do a gratitude list and write lyrics. It's yeah, not I can, either or. I have, yes, I love so, writing. It's yeah, more the, the head, is, the head it, is very strange because it always wants to lead you to this idea of you're going to be giving something up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like you hear it a lot when people come in AA. They they sound like drinking and using was like gold bars. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> you're living in a refrigerator box. You have nowhere to go, and then. You're like demanding the freedom to keep drinking. Well, go ahead, but I don't see the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you know, it seems like uh, that that train has run, run out of tracks. Maybe perhaps there's a better way now. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah. nice to see you, honey. Yeah, you too. Yeah. You too. Thank you. <laughs> yes, my pleasure. Thanks, Paul. We've got a couple more questions uh, this, today. Um, Fatina, would you like to come in? Hello. Hello, everybody. Oh, it's Fatina, him. I met you. Yes, nice to see you. Fatini from Greece, half Brazilian, living in Greece. Uh, alcoholic recovering alcoholic, 40 years of sobriety. And um, as you said, Paul, I am, uh, you know, as you peel this onion slowly in recovery, I come to realize, you know, that um, 
addiction has many levels and uh, I am into these uh, in what triggers my addiction and uh, I'm coming to realize that I am an addict to love, to attention, to, you know, to validation. And when I don't get this uh, attention or love or validation or anything, I need to drink in order to numb the pain that I don't get what I want. And it's about self-centeredness as you said and you said something else right now that we pay a lot of attention to something because we are self-centered and you know seeking also attention is because we are self-centered and you know all of these i would like you to speak a little bit more about attention self-centeredness addiction and how all these, you know, merges and into needing to soothe ourselves and to self-medicate in order to escape reality that we, we, we cannot have the attention that we need. Well, the f first of all, there's a lot you said, thank you. But first of all, <clears throat> its take is that you're not gonna have enough attention that you need. No, it's just going to be in a lot of different packages that your head refuses to notice. Yeah, because it has old ideas of what it thinks it wants it to look like to get attention. Yes. Yeah. You see that, obviously. Yeah. So basically, and this idea that it's you that is, is addicted to love. No, there's an addiction to love that's claimed by the mental state and is implied to be you. That's what's happening. That's selfing. Yeah. So what you're recognizing are things that are happening. The mental state claims that which is happening and implies it means there's a you that's addicted to getting attention. No, there's an addiction to getting attention that's being used to produce a sense of you. Be clear about that. It's just, it's a, it's, it's the direction of all the talks, yeah? So when people in our language, they, they have a, let's say they have an observation, it's always prefaced with it's you, yeah? That's what I'm questioning, yeah? There may be addiction to attention, but it isn't you that's addicted to attention, yeah? So it's very important to have a clarity around that because you'll keep being wedded to a lot of shit that's happening. Yeah. Now the shit's happening. It's true. But what is what is now pronounced to be there isn't. Yeah. There isn't a you that's addicted to attention. There's an addiction to attention that's being claimed to imply a you. That's what selfing is. That's exactly what happens. So things are happening. Let's say I feel there's a feeling bad today. Of course, then it's obviously, it just habitually implies this, I'm feeling bad. So Paul's feeling bad. So now Paul is on the alert to feel bad, is feeling bad. So all of the attention that was going all around is now on, let's say, the intestinal tract. Yes? This is the obsession with self. Yeah? The I is what focuses the attention and interest. The you is what focuses and directs the interest and attention. Yeah. 
you don't give a shit if someone else is addicted to love. But if it's you addicted to love, you join 20 groups and you're fucking spending tons of time reading tons of books about it. The importance to the addiction of love isn't based on the addiction of love. It's based on you, that you somehow are in there and you and you and you. That's the self-centered view. Yes. It takes what's happening to imply it's happening to a someone. And that, that someone I'm here to tell you in my own experience is not you. It's a mental image like a mirage. Yeah. And basically we're living a life interpreted based on the idea of that you. And that's what's quite unsettling for people. That's why people don't feel fucking satisfied because basically it's like a bird wearing a three-piece suit. Yeah. It can't fucking fly. This is it. So don't buy the story that it's you addicted to attention, you know? Don't because it's uh that's what it's tr truly trying to sell you. It notices, yeah, there's addiction to atten uh, attention, let's say. But then it uses that to imply a you. And then basically that's all it will see everything as is addiction to attention because it keeps a focus on the you. Yeah. This is what happens when people get are in recovery and they're still living as if they're not recovered. Yeah. Because the old idea is there to reinforce the you. Yeah. We had it just like the other day, a month ago, when I think it was Jono, he was saying the third step prayer, please relieve me of the bondage of self every day. And then one day he realized he was in the relief of the bondage of self. And saying a prayer at that moment was a denial of his present tense state. Exactly. Yeah. Because praying, please relieve me of the bondage of self had produced a Jano. Yes. That's what it wanted. Keep praying. It keeps implying there's a Jano that's not in the relief of the bondage of self. How are you going to This part of the statement we read today on page 53 in We Agnostics, it, it states a condition that's necessary for a lot of other shit to happen. And that condition is without knowing. We may have a lot of knowledge about a lot of shit, but we have no knowledge about how things are going, how things are actually happening. Yeah, we don't... We hear the term, oh, yes, I'm self-centeredness, but you don't know how self-centeredness is. Yeah. What really is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything I relate to, I see how it pertains to me. All right. There you go. Now. And what is going to happen? You're going to have examples of that and you're going to see it a lot. And you're going to see that every all that seeing is it's tagged with it's you that's self-centered. You, you. Hey, wait a minute. I saw the self-centeredness. Where, where in that scene did it become me? No, wait a minute. I see the self-centeredness definitely, but where is that implying 
that it's me. Where does that, how is that for this? It's sort of like in the government when they want to, you know, they'll have a bill that everyone wants and then they'll put some real shit in there because they know everyone wants it. So then they put the real shit in because they're going, oh, well, so here you go. You're super clear on self-centeredness, but you're calling yourself the one that's super, you know, that is, is in doing the self-centeredness. You're not doing it. It's, it's just the way of looking. Yeah. We're saddled seemingly with it. Yeah. And its effects are going to be really, really determined by how much interest and attention it sucks up and how little interest and attention it sucks up. Because it's basically like a vacuum. It's going to suck up whatever it can. Yeah. Now we've met a power greater than it that can cause that sucking to be severely diminished. Yeah. And then what happens? The interest tension now serves you and serves others today instead of enslaving you to yesterday and tomorrow. I mean, it's the same energy, but the but the effects can be vastly fucking different, but it's the exact same energy, but it's the effects or how it appears can be vastly different based on what's directing the energy, what's interpreting the energy. So, all right. Yes. There's self-centeredness. That does not say you're, that does not mean yourself. <laughs> I mean, you're not that. Yeah. <laughs> but if I, but if I if I'm not self, then I'll just do every fuck. No, it won't. Yeah. Don't fucking buy its fearful, forbidden. No, don't go there. You're not self. Yeah. There's a I I've been self-centered for a long time. No, there's been self-centeredness for a long time. Where does it come to the point that you've been self-centered for a long time? That's a fucking add-on. Yeah, you can describe the situation. Yes, there's been self-centeredness seemingly for a long time. How does it translate? I'm self-centered. I don't. I think that's a huge leap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Self-centeredness. I'm self-centered. <laughs> I don't. Do, no, I'm not a believer in that second little, that second little hiccup. Yeah. I'm not into it. I don't believe it. I believe you can see that. Yeah. That's happens without knowing it. When you know it, you'll start seeing it. You'll see the add on that's changing fucking everything. Yeah. It's totally different. There's self-centeredness and I'm self-centered completely different. They both have self-centeredness in it but it's completely fucking different. Isn't it? You can feel it. Yeah. So this is, so self-centeredness does not imply, does not point with great authenticity that there's a someone who's self-centered. No way. That's the selfing. The selfing implies there's a someone who's self-centered. Yeah. But see, if there's self-centeredness, I must be self-centered. No, it doesn't. That's a fucking mental logic that doesn't make any sense if you look at it. Yeah. 
So there's running. So now I'm a runner. Well, what happens? Am I a runner without any running? Yeah. So what happens if self-centeredness, you're the one who's centered, self-centered. What happens if self-centered gets diminished? There's less of a you that's not self-centered. Why? Because the self-centeredness wants to be used to imply a you. When you lose the self-centeredness, you don't, there's not, you're not into, I'm a, I'm an unself-centered person. You, you know, there's, you're not buying that second product anymore. That's part of losing interest in self-centeredness. Yeah. You lose interest in being the one who's self-centered or not self-centered. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how I'm feeling because I'm not watching it all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not. I feel a whole lot of shit, but none of it really adds up to anyone, any person. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it's just, uh, yeah. So if you see, so anger expresses, it's claimed by the selfing. After a while, if it expresses enough times, you're an angry person. Yeah. And now some of your relationships will never not be you as an angry person. Even though you're not demonstrating any anger, you're still an angry person. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. All right. Any questions more? Yep. Paul, we got a couple questions. Um, do you want to take a little break before we go on? We have two more questions right now. No, right. I'm all right. All yeah. right, then Jeffrey, come on in, Jeffrey. Let me get you unmuted. There you go. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering about the, well, are the emotions often a reflection of the thoughts in the mind? I mean, thoughts that are all about uh, that are like selfing activity. And in the case of uh, alcoholism, I felt a, an emotion just yesterday, actually. I was having had a craving just briefly in the, uh, and I felt it in my solar plexus, I, it seems like. And uh, whatever the case is, surrender, uh, non effort uh, felt in the heart that is kind of the antidote to the strong emotions, including like emotions of cravings. Uh, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're going to have usually strong emotions. Yeah. <laughs> In recovery. That's one of the things that gets restored. The idea of that which precedes the emotion being you having it all is what changes. Yeah. And therefore, when the emotion arises, a different meaning comes from it. Instead of a pre-inoculated meaning that it's you having the emotion and you have an idea of what that emotion is, it's more of the emotion will sort of inform you what's going on. And if you felt something in your solar plexus, that was probably 
a healthy fear concerning if you fulfilled that cravings idea, you would be fucked. So yeah, I think that's pretty appropriate. Yeah, I do. I feel a contraction in the solar plexus is a pretty good indication uh, you're making a big boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, I would take well, it. It was almost, it felt more like a grasping, like it was grasping for, you know, like, uh, well, craving. <laughs> well, that grasping served you. Did you get loaded? No, no, no. There you go. I have, I have, uh, in, in, in addiction, active addiction, the emotions were muted completely. It was a complete disassociation. And I attempted to have a feeling before I had any feelings. So I would be pretty much loaded at all times. And I felt a sense of control because I made myself feel something before I had feelings about anything. Yes? This was my, this was my defense against uh, uninvited emotions arising. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Missing the whole point because it wasn't the emotions, it was the claiming of being the one who had the emotions, which is the bondage. Yeah. The emotions get sorted out over time in recovery, as most things do. Yeah. Well, I mean, those emotions will, it would take more than recovery, but also um, the understanding, like you said, of uh, you're not the emotions or you're, yes. you're mistakenly thinking you are the emotions or the emotions are yours, I think is the way you put it. It's an ownership of it. Yeah. See, because emotions in, in, in their own nature seem to be unruly. They're hard to decipher. You can't put them in like an eight, eight word sentence. Yes. So that scares the system. The self-centered system uh, is, is quite concerned about emotions because they're more like a wild horse that hasn't been domesticated. Yeah. But wouldn't uh, that feeling, isn't that something you want to cultivate, even though it doesn't, even though it's kind of like a non-effort or effortless thing, the surrender, yeah, surrender just by the, the very word means to you know no effort in it no but uh, you have to cultivate that to um to let the emotions flow through sort of maybe or you don't have to cultivate it you take the uh the pre-warnings about them down you don't take them down they get taken down and then the emotions have their moment on the stage yeah Give them their moment, though. Well, you don't give it to them. They're going to take it anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> might as well just, the, uh, yeah. They could stay on the stage longer than you want them to. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, the addiction is to an interpretation of life. The freedom is fitting yourself around circumstances. Yeah. Instead of trying to fit them around you all day. Yeah. 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 
So yeah, I like that. I could feel that like kind of a uh, yeah. But it's true. That's the stuff that has been giving so many names as a threat sometimes are the great heralders of a new attitude and outlook, really. You have to see that there's a, a very hostile, uh, let's say, foreign pathogen that knowing its irrelevance mm -hmm. attempts to impress its relevance all the time. Yeah. So most people I don't feel, uh, we name emotions, but I don't think emotions can really be named well. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, when they start feeling excited about going somewhere, they think it's anxiety. You know, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation of emotions. I don't think they should be interpreted at all, really. It's just felt. Yeah. I'd rather be dumb about emotions, really. I'd rather feel love than to call it love, tell you the truth. Yeah. And anger, I feel, is a very incredible source of energy if surrendered, yeah. That anger put to a different use can, is, is impressive, yeah. I think this is what happens in a life of recovery. Uh, recovery is an incredible recycling uh, process. What youth saw to have no value, it brings it up with great value and, and it's put to use for yourself and others, yeah? So, yeah. Yeah, I guess we would like to have emotions if we could order it like a lunch. We'd like to have it for only two minutes or so, make sure it didn't go too long and, uh, you know, was benevolent to us, yeah. But emotions are, uh, they're the untamed aspect of the <laughs> of living, aren't they? I, I feel a rich sense of peace is a very rich emotion to me. Peace, yeah. It's lofty, yet you feel it. It's very lofty, but you feel it like a sense feltness. Yeah. Like something you loved that you thought may have gone and now is and it never left. It's a beautiful uh, feeling. When you don't have so many policemen at every corner, you know, trying to direct traffic, a lot of cool shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And they can go unnoticed because it's in the happening. They don't need any fanfare. They don't need to be captured by any saying. It's all right if they do. But man, all those sayings and shit are loose collars on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel peace is an incredible, is very, has a very emotive uh, sense about it. Yeah.
Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Um, Marcus, would you like to come in? Um, yes. Uh, can you hear me? All right. Hi, Paul. Um, so um, I'm kind of nervous, but I, I, I kind of wrote down what I wanted to tell you, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so <clears throat> me being angry with my three-year-old daughter and wife, then I, then I always feel bad afterwards, and I'm getting tired of saying sorry, and I say the serenity prayer a few times, and I still be in anger. Like, it seems like I'm really not connected with a higher power. I complicate everything, and the only time I really called out to God is when I was going through the alcohol withdrawals that almost killed me last year, and now since I'm out that situation, five months later, it's like I don't need him. Like, I only used him when it was convenient. And it seemed like fear is only keeping me sober right now. And it seems like I'm in fear of change when it comes to doing the, doing the 12 step work. So I don't make it a priority. I just show up to meetings, but not doing the recovery part. And I did that when I had two and a half years sober by God's grace. Is it because I still think I can manage my own life? I'd be feeling miserable while sober and being restless, irritable and discontent. Is that part of my alcoholism? And I do recognize that I take everything personal and people say I'm sensitive. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Marcus. Well, you could be seen maybe at a turning point. And this is just from Paul, you know, not, not an authority in the sky. Uh, when, we're, when life has brought us to a point where we basically have to have a change, yeah? But we're one foot is in the old regime and the other foot hasn't even landed in the new regime yet. It's in the air. And so at this point, we need to be willing to take suggestions from others and to get involved with the program and shrink it down to a day at a time. Yeah. Just to, if you allow a little of it in, it will call upon a lot of it to come. Yeah. You just have to make it through these days without going back because the going back isn't just going back to drinking. It's going back to that whole old way. Yeah. The drinking, if you drink, it's going to take you back to that old way. And you're in a, something wants you to move from there and you just got to let it. Yeah. You know, you got to let it. I feel like there's so much grace for us when we get introduced to recovery because Perhaps and truly there is a better way. There's a better way for Marcus. There's a better way for Paul. And, uh, you know, when I came in, 100 out of 100 of people that knew me would have said he's, he's, he's going to be dead. Yeah. But something did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I've been sober a long time now. So, yeah, I want you to maybe, you know, we have people that are after the meeting. Yeah, if you stay a little longer, maybe get some numbers and stuff and start staying in touch with people because people who've had a taste of sobriety want you to have that taste. You know, it's just that simple. Yeah. And uh, the anger stuff, you know, will the program will work on it, but you may need to do some program, you know, like a management thing. Yeah, because sometimes we have to admit we're outmatched things take us over and we act out and then we have, and then it's the, the, some of the weirdest experiences when I first came into AA 
was when I acted out and I didn't drink and use, and I went to, I had an emotional hangover. It was unbelievable how bad I felt, but I think it was put to good use because it taught me not to act out like that. Yeah. You know, because I couldn't believe it because I wasn't going to drink and I didn't change my feeling. I felt like shit when I really acted out against my girlfriend or something like that. Yeah. So everything that we think is like, we're like knee high in cement can, we can outgrow through this process of recovery. And there's million, there's tons of examples in these zooms of people who've outgrown shit that they never thought they could ever outgrow. Yeah. So that's what I want to say, bro. And you're, you're with us and just, yeah. Remember, please stay afterwards. I usually have to go to the bathroom, but there's Mike and other people more than happy to, so you have to, you need to have the we in the program, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Because we're not all crazy at the same time. So you need to have some kind of like a sponsoring and shit like that, bro. All right. All right, brother. Yes. Take it easy. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Great, Paul. That's it for today. Thank you so much, as always. Can hey, you thank you. Everybody to say goodbye on your phone. I don't know. I don't think so. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. But they know who I, yeah, I, I don't think I can. No, nope, we lost your we lost your volume now too. You muted yourself. <laughs> All right, yeah, maybe uh, we should just leave it as. Hold on, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, let's leave it as best you know now. Okay. If I touch anything, it's gonna not work. Okay. All right, hey, yeah, just say hello to everyone for me and somebody speak with Marcus and stuff if possible. Yeah. He's already got some numbers. Oh, great. Oh, great. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much for uh, sitting through the technical difficulty. And it's such a pleasure to see everybody and thank everyone. Uh, your attendance is such a support to. Uh, yeah. All right. See you. Bye. -bye. Bye Paul. Thanks a bunch. And hey, everybody, I'm going to post in the in the chat again, just in case you didn't see the announcement about Paul's virtual um, retreat coming up next month. So I'm going to put it again. You can find the information on Zen Bitch Slap and also at nothing.fm. The space is really limited because it's a small, intimate affair. So check it out if you're interested in spending a couple of days. Um, let me switch these settings so everybody can unmute. All right. Hey, Ann, stop the, you're the host, so stop the live feed on Facebook before we.